This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Station is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, June 24th, wherever and however you're connected, nice to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Hail Mary historian Jerem Jordan. Yesterday we asked the question of the day, uh, what's the BYU sports moment where you remember who you were with and where you were? So we had a couple of funny responses. So Mitch Matthews responded and said, I remember where I was. <laughs> he was in the end zone. In the end zone. Luckily. Draped uh, with uh, Nebraska defenders all around him yeah. making the play. And Kevin Nixon responded, I was at midcourt. <laughs> no, Kevin, you were just beyond midcourt. It was 55 then, feet away. And then he started running around. Which was awesome. So, yeah, ton of great responses yesterday. Lots of memories. Uh, our elite voice today was hilarious with, oh, I, I was in, uh, you know, some island in the Caribbean or something, and I called home to find out what the score of the 90 Miami game was. and Got a play-by-play. It was awesome. And then I came home to a $400 bill. <laughs> that was amazing. Long-distance charges. Yes. Remember when those were a oh, thing? dude, you'd have to go buy a calling card. Like, our students have no clue. You'd have to buy a calling card. Maybe they do. Uh, and then you'd like use that to make a long-distance call. What in the world? Yes, yes I did so, so from th- South Korea. I remember yeah. when I got my 100-minute yeah. calling card. The two times a year that uh, I could call home and talk to my family. and 100 minutes was forever, right? It was amazing. Yeah, I kept a lot of those cards because in Brazil they'd be, you know, topical or whatever you know have cool design anyway i think they threw them away in the last year or two i was like i don't need these whatever consolidated oh heck yeah man let's yeah. go i'm having a fewer garage. things I'm having more, a garage sale this saturday more experiences. by the way oh what's uh what's the best item up for uh, grabs? my golf clubs oh, my oh, my nice. old golf clubs you want to buy them by the way why are we talking about this on the air? Why, why, why would you offer it to the masses when we could just talk privately well, uh, golf is the appropriate segue here because okay. today's show lineup includes Transition. a man who had his hole-in-one notarized by the Wall Street Journal, Jerem. Pretty cool. Fessy Satake, BYU wide receivers coach. We'll discuss that ace, his aces in the receivers group during our position preview, and the soundtrack to Frozen 2. Junior what? receiver Gunnar Romney has positioned himself nicely to take on a larger role as a receiver. He'll join us. Plus, the best everywhere, number 35, and our 10-10 and 10 debut, ranking the 10 best teams BYU football will face in 2020. Jerem Jordan has a say in that. Now for your Wednesday BYUSN headlines. Senior tight end Matt Bushman is named the fifth best tight end in college football by Lindy's. Bushman had 47 catches, 688 yards, and four touchdowns last season. If he can be a top three kind of guy, he could be a finalist for the Mackey Award. I I think that would be an incredible season uh, and accomplishment for Matt Bushman. We expect big things. BYU Golf will take the spotlight this weekend on a national stage. Alumnus and rookie Peter Quest set to make his professional debut on the PGA Tour at the Travelers Championship in Connecticut tomorrow. That said, caddies and players, several we are hearing, are reporting testing positive for COVID-19. So we'll see what happens there. Also, Daniel Summerhays, Patrick Fishburne, and Mike Weir, the Masters champ, will all compete in the Utah Open on the Corn Ferry Tour beginning tomorrow. Summerhays will retire as a touring professional following this tournament. Good luck to all. 
all rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. BYU football returns a wealth of game experience and upperclassmen for the 2020 season. The roster features several veterans, but there is one position group that experienced more turnover than the rest, it would seem. The wide receivers, gone are seniors Micah Simon, Alevi Hifo, and Talon Shumway. I mean, that's a bunch of production to replace. So, Jerem, where will the high-level production come from this year in the wide receivers group? Okay, let's talk about the guys. So, Gunnar Romney is back. We'll talk to him coming up. He was the fifth leading receiver by catches and yards. I expect him to make a massive jump up, uh, a guy that could perhaps have twice as many yards, right? Because the top three receiver, not tied in with Bushman, receiver yards and catches are gone, as you mentioned. So he is certainly a big one. I would expect him to be the number one receiver uh, on the outside. Then you look at Dax Milne, the guy that was going to go to Weber State on scholarship. Fesitake was the guy that recruited him there and said, hey, come walk on at BYU. He played as a walk-on his freshman year, earned a scholarship before last season, and had a, a notable year. In fact, you look at the last two seasons, 31 catches, 354 yards, three touchdowns, playing what, fifth or sixth fiddle as receiver? I yeah, think and he those had some of those highlight real plays. Yes, uh, the catches against, what, USC and South Florida? There you go. So Dax Milne. Then you forget Neil Pau. Do not forget about Neil Pau. Obviously uh, had some off-the-field issues that prevented him from playing in 2019, but he is back, which is awesome. He used a redshirt year. And Neil Pau is going to be a top-three receiver for BYU. I don't think that's a hot take. I think it's pretty lukewarm. Neil Pau is a good player. He caught a touchdown pass in 2018 against Utah. That was a tremendous throw from Zach Wilson. 32 catches, 355 yards, three touchdowns, very similar numbers. His last two seasons as well. He is an upperclassman. All three of those guys, to me, are going to be the top three upperclassmen. Then you look at some of the other guys. Who are, who are, the, other, who are the Mark Wahlbergs uh, of the world, the other guys that are going to jump in, right? And the Will Ferrells. Great movie. Uh, Keanu Hill, who I thought would have more of an impact last year, but in hindsight it's like, ah, eh, they're senior heavy. He's, he's not going to jump in there. He redshirted 6'4", 210, probably the kind of tallest, biggest-bodied receiver that BYU has. Um, from Bedford, Texas, Roy Williams, uh, former NFL receiver with the Cowboys, his uncle. Three catches for 40 yards against Idaho State, limited action. He's going to be a guy, Chris Jackson, uh, who has tweeted uh, about you know, wanting some long throws to him this year uh, from Mount San Antonio College in Mount Sac. 5'10", 180, he's a speedster. He didn't play in 2019, but in 2018, 50 catches in Juco, 695 and four touchdowns. Good numbers. Then Cody Epps, we've, we've talked to him. We love Cody Epps. First team All-American USA Today. Uh, had an incredible senior year. Listen to these numbers. These aren't a career. This was the season. 93 catches, 1735 yards, 28 touchdowns as a senior. Whoa. When Alabama quarterback Bryce Young is the one throwing you the passes, that's, that helps, right? But Cody's legit. So there's, there's six. Right there. There's other guys in the mix. Luke Andrada, speedster, redshirted last year. Tavita Ika in the mix. Others listed. Talmadge Gunther, Brady Cosper, the three Jacobs, Boren, Doman, and Talbot, uh, Corey Harris, and Nathan Upham. So that's what feels like is the receivers group. A lot of unknown there, some known, but uh, certainly some space to be occupied since those three seniors are gone. There is a concern because... While you do bring up some big names that return, Gunnar Romney, Dax Mills, it's nice to have Neil Pau back, still the majority of your production is gone with graduation. So there will always be a concern there, which takes us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. 
Other than Gunnar Romney, 31 catches, and Dax Milne, 21, BYU returned six receptions from the wide receivers group last season. Right. Keanu Hill, Tavita Ika, each with three apiece. And, yes, Neil Pau did have 18 catches in 2018. I probably should feel more worried about this group, but I said it earlier a few weeks back, like, I have high expectations for this group. And they will yeah. benefit from uh, the natural motivation that comes from opportunity there. Like, there there aren't a class of seniors that are like, oh, those are the guys. Those are the guys. Right. I think the top three are pretty clear, but I think that Keanu Hill and Chris Jackson, Cody Epps, could break into the there, top three. There's room there. Yes. And we'll coming up, we'll chat with Festus talking, like, how many do you need, right, is the question. How, how many, how many, what's the rotation or receiver? And there's just kind of, Interesting dynamic between the tight ends as pass catchers and receivers because we're not talking about the tight ends. We're not talking about the passing offense entirely. We're talking specifically about receivers because I think Matt Bushman's going to be the number one target, right? But then a guy like Isaac Rex is going to be a huge target as well. Is he a top four receiver um, on this team? Um, I'm interested to see. Some young weapons, some talented ones. But riddle me this. Is Zach Wilson going to throw for 3,000 yards if he plays in 13 games? Yes. Yes. Does it matter who he's throwing to necessarily no. for those yards? I, I, I think that these guys will produce 230 yards passing a game. That's all you need to get 3,000 is 230 a game. That's Stay healthy. Crazy. That will happen. The guy that I Knock feel is... Knock on wood somewhere, dude. Come on. There's wood right here. Yeah. Okay, knocking on that. Uh, the guy that I feel is underrated still, and we talked about his highlight reel catches, is Dax Milne. I think he is an absolute star in the making. He right doesn't now. win the pregame. No. Do you know what I mean but by that? But he wins in the but game. in the game, he is shorthanded, man. He is shorthanded. Dax I- Milne doesn't drop the ball. <laughs> he just You're right. He never drops the ball. And he's a guy that was going to go somewhere else. Walked on here, meaning he wants to be here. Earned a scholarship after his freshman year. Well-deserved. I, mean, I mean, I respect a guy that earns a scholarship after walking. It is hard. Remember, Mitchell Jurgens had to earn a scholarship. You know what I mean? Um, they, Chad Lewis had to earn a scholarship. Dennis, Dennis Pitta had to earn a scholarship, you know? Good grief. We're showing a highlight on BYU TV of Dax making a diving catch at Utah State. That one didn't go for a touchdown, but it was another, like, circus highlight real yes. catch. He makes plays. I think he is an underrated Star in the making for BYU football. Gunnar Romney's a great player. We know about him. We know what Neil and Powell can do. And he needs to be very good. Gunnar needs to be the top guy, in my opinion, because he was the four-star. He was the guy that maybe BYU wasn't going to get, right? He ends up coming here. Baylor kind of moves from Nevada. Now Tate Romney uh, is coming, their, their younger brother, as a linebacker in a couple years after his mission. So, yeah, a lot of unknown here, but I think Cody Epps and Chris Jackson can be impact players. As a JC and a freshman sure. guy that come in and, and be in the rotation. Yeah. Uh, I also like Keanu Hill. I think he'll be a household name by the end of the season. I thought Keanu would make an impact last year, so I'm excited to see a little more run with Keanu Hill. So that's awesome. Our question of the day. What are your expectations for the BYU wide receivers in the 2020 season? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation. On BYU Sports Nation. Oh, hold on, hold on. Wow. I got to put some guys. At CJ Wildboy answers on Instagram. He is wild. This is a wild take. Blue goggle alert. They will be some of the best wide receivers BYU has ever had. At least two of them will have a thousand plus yards. Uh, No, that's not happening. 
I'm sorry. 2,000 yards? The one, last time BYU had one 1,000-yard receiver was Cody Hoffman. Yeah, not even the uh, elite great Mitch Matthews. Matthews. Not even the elite Mitch Matthews. You're not elite if you can't Nine, 900 plus. Yeah. No, that was awesome. I love Mitch <laughs> on the team now. That'd be awesome. Season. Yeah. No, uh, it'd be great to get somebody to 1,000. I, I don't see it quite yet. I don't see a 1,000 res- receiver quite yet. I, I think maybe next year, like a Gunnar Romney, if he made this massive jump or something. I would love to see three different guys with 40-plus catches. I think that'd be amazing. Yeah, let's get a guy with 70. Let's go. Coming up, Gunnar Romney on his increased role this season as our wide receiver position preview continues. And we'd like to spend a moment before we take our first break and remember one of our BYU TV colleagues, Jacob Cottle, an outstanding young man and student, passed away last night from injuries he suffered in a serious car accident over the weekend. Jake worked as an EVS operator for BYU Broadcasting and, uh, frankly, was a rising star in our BYU Sports Nation production team. With heavy hearts, we offer our love and prayers to Jake's family and friends, as well as the families of two others who tragically passed away in that same car accident, Brielle Hatch and Tanner Davies. Jake Cottle was 22 years old. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Catch some of the most compelling stories in BYU sports by searching Deep Blue on the BYU TV app. There are 23 from last year available on demand right now. They are gold, and I'm putting that lightly. Live in Studio B, this is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. It feels like the perfect time to bring up our next BYU football position preview and do so with this friendly reminder. Countdown to the youths. 71. 71 days away from a scheduled September 3rd Thursday night kickoff between BYU and Utah at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Ten weeks. And one day. Ten weeks and one day. That's, that's coming up fast, man. And uh, we're continuing our wide receiver conversation. Earlier this morning, I spoke with Gunnar Romney on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. And, of course, I had to lead off with a comment about his hair, which looks like it's in mid-season form. Hey, I appreciate it, man. It's it's an early morning. Just hopped out the shower. Feeling good. Got got the day going. I love it. I Listen, we try not to have bias here, although we have, you know, BYU bias. We work for BYU. But uh, I always say my Mormon colonies guys, the Romneys, those, those are my guys. So I mentioned on the show that my mom said, hey, your great-grandma was best friend with the Romneys' great-grandma. I don't know all the connections, but I I feel like we should hang out more. Is that a fair assessment? You know, I, I think we need to go on a lunch date or something like that, man. Plan something out just to, to get to know each other a little better because it seems like our families are pretty tight, so we need to do something like that. They are, but you're not as tight, you know, uh, as, uh, of course, you and your brother, uh, Baylor, the first brother-to-brother TD in, in BYU history. We're looking forward to the season a lot, and let's dive into a bunch of topics, but how many, how many more of those are we going to see? Because if Baylor plays, I, I'm sure he's going to throw to you again, right? Yeah. I mean, the quarterback situation right now, we don't really know who's going to play and who's going to be the guy, but whoever it is, if it's Baylor, then I'm, I'm hoping you'll see a lot more TDs this year. Do you, look, a good time. do you look back at that and think how crazy that was? Because for him to, one, just come to BYU and walk on has been awesome, right? Let alone mm-hmm. to start games, and you could argue that the biggest win of 2019 was beating Boise State with, uh, with your brother at the helm. Yeah, I mean... Things don't really hit you in the moment like that. When you're looking back at it, you kind of realize 
how how cool of an experience that was and how cool of a moment that actually was to to enjoy and so i'm I'm really glad Baylor he actually made this, the decision to come to BYU because I know it was it was kind of uh it was kind of a hard decision for him to do that but just the fact that everything worked out the way it did it's really cool now is he uh, is he or you even the best athlete uh, around here because Baylor's wife Elise is elite with the track team we've had her in studio she's She's a legit athlete, so I I have that question. What do you think? I mean, that's that's a topic that gets debated a lot in our family. <laughs> um, I mean, it gets it gets pretty heated sometimes. I mean, Elise she she holds the school record for pole vault. Um, our younger brother, who just signed with BYU too, is he's he's a freak athlete as well. And then our younger sister, um, she honestly might be the, the most athletic in the family. She runs track and stuff, but I mean, we don't really know. I mean, only time will tell, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome, and uh, we're really looking forward to uh, Tate getting to BYU at some point. I have a son named Tate, by the way, so there's another connection. I, I'm already a fan of your brother. Um, tell, that's awesome. Tell us about uh, Tate, and, and he's a linebacker, kind of, uh, I, I guess, different. He's on the other side of the ball, right? And uh, where is he going on his mission again first? Yeah, so Tate actually left on his mission today. We, we oh, had wow. a farewell thing last night, said goodbye to him last night, so that's pretty cool. But he, uh, he's assigned to go to Argentina. But, you know, with the whole COVID thing, he might get reassigned after the MTC. So we'll see what happens. Gotcha. But, yeah, Tate, he's a, he's a safety slash linebacker. So he plays on the defensive side of the ball. And he, he, he's the type of guy that will sell his body for the play. Just a ruthless defender. Uh, just wants to kill you on the field. Nicest guy off the field, but on the field, you do not want to go against him. Do you guys have a similar personality that way? Because you guys seem like really chill, yet very focused and driven, right? Is he, is he a little different from you guys or very similar? No. So me and both of my brothers, we all kind of have similar personalities. Just kind of quiet, more laid back off the field. But on the field, it kind of changes a little bit. Where do you get that from, mom or dad? Because I, I know your dad played. I believe your dad played at the Warrior State Academy and, of course, basketball. I think he plays professionally. And then I heard he played football as well down there. Yeah, so he he played basketball most of his life, but he did play football in high school. Um, but honestly, that personality really just comes from nowhere because both of our parents are pretty pretty outgoing and pretty pretty social and talkative, but none of us are. So I don't know where <laughs> we get that from. Let's talk about uh, sort of your journey to BYU, and then we'll get into what's going on here in the off season. But so obviously, we've talked about the Mormon colonies, Colonial Juarez and Dublin and Casas Grandes, right? Um, pioneers come west, they go to Mexico, and they, they essentially farm, right? And uh, mm-hmm. so your family has ties down there, my family has ties down there. Walk us through the kind of journey of where you were born and then kind of where you move and how you end up in Chandler, Arizona. Yeah, so my, my family has been down in the Mormon colonies for generations. So my dad was born down there, my grandpa was born down there. And so it was kind of the same thing. My dad moved out here to go to college, uh, went to college in, uh, in Arizona, and then kind of moved back down there to, to join the family business and became a farmer. So that's where I was born was when, when my family was living down there. Lived down there for, for many years. I went to elementary school down there. And it wasn't until I was 12 or 13 years old when we actually moved to the, the U.S. We moved to El Paso, Texas. That's where Baylor finished his high school career. And then as soon as as soon as Baylor graduated, we moved over to to Arizona, where I finished my my high school career for my junior and senior year. So it, it was it was a really cool experience growing up like that. Um, I mean, it's it's a pretty unique thing to be able to grow up in a different country, and then 
moved to the U.S. and and still experience all that stuff. So it was really cool. And I assumed you guys moved to El Paso for athletics because you're not getting recruited as a college athlete out of the Mormon colonies. Uh, you know, it's just a little tougher down there, right? Yeah. So it, it was. I I really credit my parents to this. They made a huge sacrifice. Uh, my dad would commute to work every single day because he still works in Mexico. Um, but yeah, so there's not a lot of not a lot of organized sports or organized clubs or activities going on down in Mexico for for us to be able to to reach our pr- true potential in anything. So they made the sacrifice for us to go to Texas, and that's where that's where we really really got into sports pretty heavily. I mean, we we played it here and then, but like I said, there's no organized stuff in Mexico. So uh, just to be able to get that opportunity in El Paso was huge for us to be able to grow and develop. Hey, but JSA all the way, right? That's how it goes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, BYU plays at Arizona State this year. How many how many Romneys are going to show up to that one? Uh, that one, it's going to be a packed stadium. Probably half of them will be Romneys. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. It's the the family. Our family's pretty loyal when it comes to coming to games and supporting. And so I I I we have a huge support system, and most of them are in Arizona still. So it's it's going to be hard to find all them tickets. Yeah, it's it's going to be awesome. You're going to be uh you're going to be asked for a lot of those. Let's talk about how the off season's going for you. Uh, what are you working on? What are you up to? Yeah, so we're we're doing voluntary workouts right now for for football, but I mean that's not enough. We always talk about how um, doing the minimum isn't going to get you anywhere because everybody else in the country is doing those same workouts. So we all we do those and we all get together and we do more one on ones. We do more uh, individual drills. We do more lifting. We do more conditioning. Um, so it's, it's pretty much an all day affair, just working out and stuff all day, every day. Um, I mean, it's a grind and you have to sacrifice your summer, but it's, it's worth it in the end. It pays off. Let's talk about this receivers group because last year was a senior heavy group, specifically among the receivers. Matt Bushman as a tight end is, I guess, a separate conversation. But uh, Micah Simon and Talon Shumway and Aleva Hifo, they were the top three in catches and yards. And then you, you are the leading returning guy. Do you feel positive pressure to step up and perhaps lead the team in catches and yards potentially? Yeah, you know, I really do. It's, it's a great opportunity to be able to step up and and, you know, fill the shoes that those dudes left. Um, I mean, me and then Dax Millen returning, uh, two guys that we have experience. Um, and so I think we're both really excited to get in there and, and see uh, see what we can do. But we also have a lot of younger guys, a lot of younger talent coming up that we're, that'll be able to help us out. So I'm actually really excited. You know, it's a pretty inexperienced group, but at the same time, it's a really talented group. So it'll it'll be fun to see. And that's the fun part about this. The expectations are, you know, up in the air because we're excited to see you and Dax and, and some of these others that you mentioned that I want to dive into here in a second. But we just we just don't know, which is exciting. Also a little scary, perhaps, but you and Dax, you mentioned. So uh, Dax, a former walk-on, would be, you know, uh, got a scholarship, had a tremendous season, two great catches that were like top 10 plays. So tell us about some of the other guys as well that you expect to perhaps have an impact like a Keanu Hill or a Cody Epps and others. Yeah. So I think, like you said, Keanu, he's a, he's a big body, really solid hands, run good routes. He should be able to step up. He is coming off of a little injury, but he, he should be able to step up and, and have a big impact. And then dudes like Cody Epps who had an outstanding high school career, who's just super talented, pretty highly recruited guy. I know the coaching staff and all of us receivers are really excited to get him on campus and get him going because I know he has he has a huge ceiling. He has a huge uh, huge potential. So hopefully we can get him and get into the mix. And then also guys like Chris Jackson, a JUCO transfer, 
he's been working out with us and he's looking really good. That man, that man's fast. He can, he can burn. <laughs> um, so re- really, really excited to get him into the mix too. And then just guys returning like Neil Powell, who we didn't have last year. Yeah. Um, just to just to sort of fill in the role. So I think I think we have a lot of weapons, and we're gonna we're gonna be able to use a lot of people. Certainly, opening the season as the only college football team to play four Power Fives in a row is challenging. What what excites you about the opportunity to show what BYU can do? I I personally love the schedule, and I love playing tough teams because it's it's like every week you you have a new challenge. You you're never, I mean, you should never look at uh, smaller games as being uh, being lesser, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's fun to be able to play those games and get more excited when you're playing big time teams. And so I, I just really look, look at it as a challenge for us and look at it as an opportunity to be able to show how good of a team we actually are and how good of a team we can actually be going into the season. Well, we are what, 10 weeks and one day away, which is crazy. So good luck with the uh, workouts, uh, stay safe and, uh, no product needed in that hair. Don't forget. Hey, appreciate it. <laughs> Gunnar Romney one-on-one with Jerem Jordan on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. He speaks a lot more than he used to. He was kind of a quiet dude. And so I hope that that sort of, uh, you know, coming out of a shell uh, verbally translates to more leadership, more catches, more yards, more touchdowns. I think he can be a big-time receiver for BYU. I like the receivers group, Jerem, a lot. I'm feeling a lot better about it. A few months ago, I was like, who's going to do what? Now that I look at it, we talked to Gunnar, and we're going to talk to Fessy's coming up as well, Satake. Uh, I, I like the group. Let's go. Part of me is just wanting it to be good, but I think there's some talent there. All right. Okay, as coming up, mentioned. Our receivers position group preview continues with assistant coach Fessy Satake. And the best to ever wear number 35 at BYU. This is BYU Sports Nation. Listen to BYU Sports Nation On Demand. You can download the podcast, Google BYU Sports Nation Podcast, and uh, subscribe, rate, and give us that five-star review, baby. He is Jerem. I am Spencer, and this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. Senior tight end Matt Bushman is named the fifth best tight end in college football by Lindy's Magazine. Bushman had 47 catches, 688 yards, and four touchdowns last season. Golf. BYU Golf will take the spotlight on a national stage this weekend. Alumnus and rookie Peter Quest set to make his professional debut at the Travelers Championship in Connecticut tomorrow. How about that? PGA Tour rookie. Also, Daniel Summers, Patrick Fishburne, and Mike Weir will all compete in the Utah Open on the Corn Ferry Tour beginning tomorrow. Joining them is current BYU Golf standout Cole Ponich, who qualified earlier this week and will compete as the lone amateur in the field. Pretty cool. BYU Golf, we got a good thing going right now. Absolutely. we got a great thing going with our Best to Wear It segment on BYUSN. If you're new to the program, we are counting up to number 99. One number each show and determining who was the best athlete to wear each number at BYU. Who's the athlete at number 35, Jerem? It's Devin Durant, and we didn't have to ponderize on it. We just knew it, okay? He played two at BYU from 78 to 80, went on his mission to Madrid, played two after, and man, he was good. Man, he was good. Fifth all-time in scoring. When he left, I believe he was third. He was a monster his junior and senior years especially. Those teams were so talented. What a great score. 10th in field goal percentage. Second most 30-point games to guess who, Jimmer. Second highest scoring average in a season. 
uh, 27 uh, a game one year, two Jimmers senior year. 27 a game? 27.9, I think, almost 28. All-American is junior and senior three NCAA tournaments, three WAC championships, second-round pick to the Pacers, two years in the NBA, three years in Europe, former member of the Sunday School General Presidency in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So you may have seen him in uh, General Conference, and I like what our graphic says here, certified bucket. I mean, <laughs> Devin Durant, for his career, averaged 19.5. Career. Normally you don't play a ton when you're a freshman sophomore. Devin Durant went on a mission. If he had not gone Ooh, on a mission, 81. BYU probably could have gone to the Final Four. But obviously that was a thing that he pursued and was uh, incredibly beneficial in his life. But that was a big question mark when Durant left was how was BYU going to replace you know, some of that? And uh, they went to the Elite Eight. It worked out. So Devin Durant is, is uh, of course, amazing. And, of course, the brother of Mark. Funny story. So one time I'm at Mountain View High School down in Mesa, Arizona. I'm, I'm there at Christmas hanging out with my mom. And we're covering Provo and Tipio High School sports at the time. So I go. I think you went to Grand Junction at that time. I go to M- Mountain View to see Provo, Brandon Davies, and Kyle Collinsworth playing a game against somebody. And Devin Durant's there because his kid's on the team. And I ask Devin, I say, hey, are you Mark's older brother? Just to introduce myself. And Mark said, he's probably never been asked that question. <laughs> he said, it's about time that he was asked that and not the other way around. <laughs> oh, are you, De- are are you, you Devin's Mark's, brother? Yeah, are, are you Mark's brother? Yeah, so he Mark was very amused, but Devin's an all-timer, man. He's awesome. Uh, yeah, worthwhile to ponderize what he did at BYU. And yeah, it's dude. hard not to wonder, what if Devin Durant had played on that 1981 team with Danny Ainge and Greg Kide yeah. and Fred Roberts? Yeah, pretty crazy. Holy Honorable mention, yeah. by the way, Lake Hemuli, uh, who was amazing. He was uh, one of the, the main running backs on the uh, 1984 National Championship team. And in the 80s, he was really, really good. Um, ends up being... You know, top seven in, in a lot of things, in rushing yards and carries and touchdowns. Lucky and Willie was really, really yeah, good. And, and that's when BYU was at the height of their passing attack. Yep, here we see him catching a, t- or, uh, a reception. Uh, that's what you do. You catch a reception. Um, Lucky was legit. And and we love Lucky because we know some family. Yes. Our guy, Hema. We love Hema. Also, his son, Houston, is playing at Stanford. Another uh, one that got away. <laughs> Hey, who knows what the future holds there, huh? That's, that's true. That's true. It's a big transfer you or something. But yeah, BYU-Stanford, you're going you're gonna to see Houston. Hey, we talked about it. It's the, it's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Bowl. We need to figure out a shorter name for that. I have one, but we've been asking that. How motivated that. will that Stanford team be once all their Pac-12 competition is complete and in comes BYU to close out the regular Hopefully season? Hopefully they've lost the Cal the week before and they just stink and they're, they're not division winners and they don't care. Or maybe they're riding an emotional high after beating Cal and there's an emotional letdown. True. They're prepping for the Pac-12 title game? No, that's not going to Okay, coming up. 10 and 10 is back, baby. 10 weeks in a row. Let's do this starting today. The top 10 teams BYU will face this football season. Plus, BYU wide receivers coach Fessy Satake on the leader of his 2020 group and how many guys he wants to use in a normal rotation. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. If you need some football, go to the BYU TV app. There's some classic BYU games on there. 
some recent ones as well. It's on demand. Check it out on the BYU TV app today. BYU Sports Nation rolls on from Studio B. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. We now welcome in on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline via Zoom, Fessy Satake, the wide receivers coach for BYU football. Fessy, first things first. I know you're a really good golfer, but there are some good golfers on that staff. Who's the best golfer on the coaching staff right now? Oh, you can't do that, man. I, uh, I don't know. Golf is an interesting game because anyone can, there's enough guys who are good enough that you can beat anyone on any given day. But, uh, I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. You're going to have to ask other people. So. Boo! <laughs> hey, we know you're good, though, because you got a hole-in-one, and the Wall Street Journal even included uh, a mention on online about it. So is that one of the greatest athletic accomplishments of your life or what? Oh, yeah, for sure, man. I've been, I've been waiting for that moment forever. I've played with, I've played with um, quite a few people who have at least claimed to have had a hole-in-one. And, and we're trash golfers. I'm like, come on, how did these guys have holes in one? So, so I, it was, uh, it was a awesome experience, uh, way more adrenaline than I could have imagined, you know, for golf. And then, uh, but so in terms of your question of who the, who's the best golfer on the staff, I, I don't know if I can ask that, but I can't say, I think I'm the only one with the hole in one. So. Oh, snap. That's pretty good. Do we need to work on the interior design of your office? Do you have anything in there? We can't see anything. Um, on, what's going yeah, on, man? Right. Right up here to my right, I got all the pictures. I've got Cody Hoffman, Austin Cauley. I've got uh, got some Mitch Matthews. I've got some good uh, good pictures, but um, you're not worthy to see my office right now. So. <laughs> wow. Shots fired out of the gate. I didn't think they'd let us in anyway with Man. COVID. But yeah. A guy gets a hole in one and uh, everything changes. Jeez. <laughs> it looks dark in there. So I was showing you my blinds in the back. You guys look dark in that room. Hot in here. Man. <laughs> oh, Fessy, uh, we're obviously excited that football is approaching. I can't believe we're essentially 10 weeks away from the scheduled start of BYU in Utah. Uh, when I bring up that number, uh, do you feel more panic or more excitement? More excitement, especially during these crazy times, man. Like, like just the more we get out, the more of uh, things I do that bring me a sense of normalcy, the more excited I get just because it's it's crawling out of these um, this madness and, and kind of into what to me is, is going to be normalcy, which is a football season. So um, definitely nothing but excitement there, and I uh, can't wait for it. Let's talk about your guys in a second, but how do you anticipate, and I know you guys are conversing and everyone's conversing about how we're going to make this work. Do you have any concerns or, or uh, I guess, how do you feel about trying to manage COVID-19 and yet still play football? I think on our end, we're, we're, we're great. We're ready. Um, a lot of this just comes down to teaching and education and letting the guys kind of educating them on, uh, the reality is of, of what could happen. Um, and then there's the other side of things, which is the the entertainment side, the fan side. I just hope that it gets to a point where if if people are able to attend and watch, um, that they feel comfortable doing so. And if they don't, I completely get it. But for those that are there, that we're still able to kind of inject some excitement into the 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 atmosphere because because you guys know as well as anyone like that's that's what a lot of these guys thrive off of is is that environment that atmosphere to play um but in a worst case scenario where we don't play in front of people um we trust that these uh and believe that these guys will be ready to go because they love the game um so regardless of the circumstances i think all of it just comes down to educating educating these guys on the different um scenarios that could happen um so that they're ready for um whatever comes 
BYU wide receivers coach Fessy Satake with us on BYU Sports Nation. You lost a lot of experience last year. We've talked about this before. Now that your guys uh, have had the summer and a unique summer at that um, to go on, how have they gotten better? How have you, how have you helped them get better? I think, I think um, there's a major blessing in disguise with their season spring ball being cut short. Um, and I say a blessing and I, for those who actually handled it the right way, this was a great opportunity for guys to be intrinsically motivated, to do things on their own. And, you know, when you lose a bunch of seniors, um, I think it calls for a time to kind of step up, look, look in the mirror and say, all right, like, this is my time to, 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 to take the bull by the horns and go. And so, you know, my worry would have been if I had a bunch of experience and we have downtime, there's a wave of guys, a pretty group that would probably be like, ah, you know, you know, I'm not, not going to get a lot of playing time or catches this year. Maybe it's a good time to just take a little vacation and wait for my time. And so the fact that I lost a bunch of leadership and we have had this pandemic hit where there's so much downtime, I think that's why my guys are, are getting better is because they are all motivated to fill in those roles, a major role that we've lost. And so I'm really excited. I know pro- great progress has been made. We've obviously been able to meet and do meetings and stuff, but I'm just really excited to, to see these guys and the growth that they've made. Cause I know it's been, a, it's been a great one. Um, there's a lot of driven guys in that room. We saw and heard the growth from Gunnar Romney, just in the way that, he can express himself more than when he was a freshman. He's kind of shy, wouldn't say a lot. Yeah. And that was a great conversation we, we had with him earlier in the program. He's a guy that could be one of the top guys. And Neil Pau's back, which is great. And Dax Milne has shown a lot of progress, a guy that you essentially brought from Weber State uh, and others. Um, let's discuss where you think the leadership of this group, group is. Who are those guys? I think you named those three. Um, they, they're the guys who have the most. Uh, game time, playing experience. Um, they have seniority on the team. Um, and most importantly, I, I feel that they have the characteristics uh, to be great leaders. You know, all three of those guys in their own way, might, they're not the most, um, you know, vocal guys. When you think of a, of a charismatic vocal guy in, in recent history, you, you think of Micah Simon last year, right? Um, and he was great and, and, and was phenomenal for our room. Um, but then you have a guy like Talon Shumway, who was so, who was the complete opposite end of the, uh, of the spectrum, and was very quiet, led by example. Was the grand everyone called him Grandpa in the room because he was truly the senior in the room. <laughs> and so I think these guys are right in the middle, you know, of that spectrum. And and I'm just excited for what they bring. You know, it's been really fun speaking about leadership to those guys and not forcing any, um, you know, roles in and just kind of being themselves and, and and taking the lead a little bit more. And I think they've responded well, and I know they'll continue to. Fessy, who's the outspoken guy in the wide receivers room this year? Because Gunner uh, doesn't seem like he's that type of personality, and Neil doesn't yeah. seem that way. So is, is it Dax or is it somebody else? The most outspoken person probably is Keanu Hill. Um, he's he's kind of got the most, maybe it's a Texas thing. You know, he lives by Micah, and so maybe that <laughs> the water they drink down there causes them to just be a little more spunky. So, but Keanu, Keanu's probably more outspoken guy. But of, of the three, of the three I mentioned, um, gosh, I don't know that they're all kind of the same in just in just their reservation and stuff. So, yeah, as long as they perform on the field, they could be completely quiet off. You know, as yeah, long as they score exactly. touchdowns, it's all good. It's all good. You could yeah, be loud no off, but nothing on it. I don't you know, whatever. 
Let's talk about some of the newcomers. Um, you mentioned uh, Keanu Hill and a Chris Jackson, a JC transfer that Gunnar Romney said is fast. And then Cody Epps had an incredible career. Are those three of the top newcomers coming in? Um, yeah, they're, they're three of some of the top. I, you know, there's a huge pool of guys. You mentioned um, Keanu and Chris Jackson. You got guys like David Taika who played. You got Cody Epps um, who's coming in. The other two freshmen, Miles Davis, Terrence Fall. Talmadge Gunther has made a huge transformation offseason in terms of, um, you know, uh, his body composition. He's become faster, and he's he's experienced and knows the playbook well. Um, you got Luke Andrada, who I know a lot of people are excited about to see, you know, how he emerges. So there's a pretty solid group um, of guys that, that, that can be competing for easily the 4-5-6 spot and very well break into that 1-2-3. You know, I'm not completely closing that off, but I do want those guys to feel that, that if you want to crack into that top, you got a lot of work to do. How you mentioned four, five, six. How many uh, do you use reasonably, uh, assuming no one gets hurt? I think five's a healthy number for me. Um, you can see that first year, uh, two years ago, um, there was about there were there were about eight guys I could have played, and I usually rotated through seven, which was is it's too much, and and um, you know I felt they called for it at that time, but I, I think. Me settling into my role and to knowing this offense and the group I have, I feel five is a pretty pretty healthy number. I would like three guys to kind of get the majority and then kind of have a couple guys on deck ready to go. BYU football is looking to take the next step, specifically in the red zone. The offense had great success at times, but ran into some some problems within the red zone. So how can your group, your receivers, help out the quarterback so that that red zone efficiency gets higher? Yeah, it's interesting. We've been watching a lot of that just as a staff. Um, and so just from a broad perspective, self, those self-inflicted um, penalties are what killed us. You know, we had a lot of, lot of, lot of penalties that happened in the red zones, dumb mistakes. Um, and we know as coaches, it starts from us too in, in, in getting that discipline down. And so in terms of our room, the biggest thing is just being ready when your name is called and, and, and making those plays, not doing anything to set our offense back in terms of uh, penalties and, and, and pre-snap uh, mistakes. And so, um, you know, we got we to gotta smell blood when we get into the red zone. And that's kind of what I want to, um, you know, give to my guys. When we get down there, you got you to gotta amp it up, get ready to do your role, whatever that might be, and, and get ready to, to help us get into the end zone. Both of the volleyball programs have the crowd do a do a you know kind of shark gator clap. They play jaws, you know, gator clap. They smell blood in the water. Do you need the fans to do that in the red zone? Maybe every you know smell blood in the water. Is that a thing that would help the receivers? That's that's a great project. I think you could take upon yourself this fall. <laughs> All that's they need to do idea, is play man. jaws. Everyone will start doing it. <laughs> there you go. You guys should get that up on the, the Jumbotron. You lead it, Jerem. Let them know. Just, just Red lead, zone. Lead the charge. Blood. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. I um, like Shark, by the way, too, not the Gator. You yeah. You got to stay away from that. So. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's talk about the pros and cons of an extended-ish fall camp, right? Uh, it's not technically extend fall camp, but it basically is, right? What are the pros and cons of, of you know, what's going to happen in July in an attempt to sort of make up for spring ball and get everyone in shape and ready for the season? Yeah, I think the major pro is just the obvious is, is an early jump on things. We lost time, um, you know, with spring ball. And so to be able to get a quick jump, to get the guys back in, acclimated a little bit, some of these freshmen, um, these newcomers who need to know the playbook, I think that's where you gain your biggest value in an early start. Um, and then the con is just is, is, is the burnout effect and making sure that we manage these guys um, because as much as we would love to use every single day of the six-week period and, and grind them, 
you can't. Um, it's just they're, they're not programmed. Their bodies aren't used to that. Um, and so we've got to we got to be able to know how to manage that. And so there's definitely more pros than cons to this. I'm glad we have it. And I'm confident that as a staff, you know, we'll be able to, to monitor that time the right way. Fessy, as we let you go, I want to bring up a tweet that you sent out uh, about five days ago. And I quote, it's one thing when you've had a song stuck in your head for seven hours and you can't stop whistling slash humming it. It's another thing when that song is frozen into the unknown. <laughs> have you overcome this song in your head yet? I, I did until you just brought it back up now. So uh, the rest of the day, I'm going to be miserable now, and, I, and it's your fault. The just struggle think, is real. Just think of Jaws. Just think of Jaws. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bessie, great stuff, man. Great to catch up with you. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you guys. Always good to talk. BYU wide receivers coach Fessy Sataki on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Guess I can't go to his office. Jeez. Especially now, not after I brought up Idina Menzel and Into the Unknown. uh, Yeah, John Travolta. Coming up. Adele Dezim. Today's Rise and Shout Out. And the top 10 teams BYU football will face. Ranked by one Jerem Jordan. 10 and 10. This is BYU Sports Nation. It's a debut, baby. Let's go. BYU Sports Nation continues with another daily reminder. The show is available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and or BYU radio apps. You can download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. We are 71 days away from the opening kickoff of the 2020 BYU football season, which means it's time to debut the annual summer series 10 and 10 from Jerem Jordan. 10 lists in 10 weeks. It's Jerem 10 and 10. That's right. This is week one. We'll do the top 10 teams BYU will face in 2020. Let's go. Left off the schedule. North Alabama live on BYU TV. Mm-hmm. And Utah State. I'm going to rough some feathers Whoa. with that one. Whoa. Number 10, Northern Illinois. They went 5-7 and seven last year under first-year head coach Thomas Hammock, who's the former running backs coach of the Ravens. This is a program that at one point won 57 games in five years. Former Cal quarterback Ross Bowers, who didn't play against BYU in 2018, is back for a second season there, sixth college football season. And second in what city? DeKalb. Four starters return on the O-line behind unproven running backs. This is a revenge game for 2018. It'll be in Chicago. Um, I, I don't have an issue with Northern Illinois number 10, but I just can't believe Utah State's not on the list. Who who should I put uh, behind them? That's Probably. the question. Number nine, Houston. People expect Houston to be good at some point. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not sure it's this year. They were 4-8 last year. Injury riddled. De'Eric King transferred. Clayton Toons, the clear quarterback. Four Power 5 transfers eligible to play in the secondary after a bottom 20-year in scoring yards and pass yards allowed. I think Houston will be better, but again, we're going to go down this list. Tell me why they should be higher. Uh, because they're better than San Diego State, for one. Uh, Houston, Are they? Yeah, I think so. Houston's a... <laughs> why? They're a 60% favorite to beat BYU in Pro Bowl, according to ESPN's FPI. I, I think they're going to be sneaky. Yeah. Okay, number eight, Michigan State. Like, would you put them over Michigan State? Seven and six, 2019. ESPN FPI number 67 right now. New head coach Mel Tucker from Colorado takes over for Mark D'Antonio. Quarterback uh, Brian Lewerke graduated. New, new guy could be Rocky Lombardi, perhaps the second greatest football name of all time to Dick Butkus or freshman Peyton Thorne. Defensively, three starters back from a top 20 Defense, Spartans have, the, Spartans have the same record as BYU the last two years, 14 and 12. Number eight, Michigan State, number eight, Houston, nine. First year head coach. I think they're figuring it out. Ooh. Number seven, Mizzou, six and six last year. No bowl game due to a one-year ban. A rogue academic tutor fired Barry Odom, hired Eli Drinkwitz from 12 and one Appalachian State. Yeah, that's how you say it. 
There's a four-way QB battle in spring, frontrunner likely being TCU quarterback Sean Robinson. Running back Larry Roundtree the third has put up 700-plus in three seasons. See, I, uh, I that's fair. Missouri, I think, is going to be a middle-of-the-pack team that BYU faces this year, six or seven. So I'm, I'm on board with that. I just still can't get over the Houston Michigan Center eight and nine. Number six, San Diego State. Aztecs oh! in the middle of the best run of wins since the 70s. 49 wins the last five, including 10 last season. Rocky Long back in New Mexico as the D.C. Brady Hoke is the head coach again after being the D-line guy. Last year's defense was legit. Top five in points, rushing yards, turnover margin, yards allowed. That won't be the case this year, but it's what they do. They have a good defense and a good enough offense. They have a new OC in Jeff Hecklinski. Carson Baker's back. He quarterbacked San Diego State to the win with 13 hole points. Uh, and Georgia Tech transfer Lucas Johnson is there as well. Wow, the Aztecs better than Missouri and Michigan State and oh, Houston. Power five bias there. Number five, Stanford. Whoa. Cardinal were 4-8 last year. They'll be better, but how much better? K.J. Costello transferred to Mississippi State with Mike Leach. So Davis Mills is the guy, but he went 1-5 in his starts in 2019. Doesn't help that Stanford isn't Stanford. They were 7th in the Pac-12 in rushing last year. 7th worst in FBS and offensive field position. Number 4, we got to go fast. Arizona State, 8-5 in 2019. FPI number 48. People are really high on them. Herm Edwards building something. They think they'll be good. I'm not sure their 10 wins good, but Jaden Daniels was a freshman last year. 17 touchdown, two picks. He'll be way better. Number three, Utah. They were as high as five in the college football rankings last year before stumbling against Oregon and Texas. They reload. Jake Bentley, transfer from South Carolina. Brant Keithy, legit tight end. Number two, Boise State. I think they're going to have a great Mm. season. They'll be the best group of five team. They have Florida State at home, by the way, and BYU. Revenge game. Hank Bachmeyer's back. Uh, new offensive coordinator, Eric Kesaw, former Patriots offensive analyst. And the best team BYU play this year is Minnesota. Banner year, 11-2, best record since 1904. Tanner Morgan's probably the best quarterback. BYU will face 3,030 touchdown guy. They're going to be a top 25 preseason team. Yeah, I had no issues with one through four. These are some real fun uh, yeah, predictions there from five through like, nine. Utah State could be okay, but I don't see how they're in the top nine and for the record last year you were pretty solid on six of the ten i did the research and looked up your 10 and 10 last year mm. P- i'll take good. six you only you only missed really on one and that was san diego state but who thought they were gonna win 10 games i'll take six man i'll All take right. four for me our elite <laughs> voice of the day presented by sundance mountain resort what are your expectations for the byu wide receivers at byu anime on twitter says i expect multiple 500 yard guys including one with 700 plus for pau or romney will most likely be the ones with 700 the potential names of 500 could be hill milne and jackson Let's go, baby. All right, today's rise and shout-out for me goes to Daniel Summerhays. He's hanging up his uh, golf spikes as a professional touring pro after the Utah Open. What a great guy. Thanks to today's guests, Gunnar Romney and Pessy Satake. Start at Dustin Pitta. For Jeremiah, I'm Spencer. Shout-out to Brian McKenzie. See you tomorrow. Go Cougs.